The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Be Mighty, balancing your money and your time with your hosts, K.D. Marley. You know, it's a common thought that we can never balance our time and our money. We run out of money when there are still so many days on the calendar. What are some of the ideas and tools that will help us more efficiently manage these two resources? On today's program, you'll learn how being mighty is the result of transforming one's life. One insight, one choice, one action at a time. Now, here is K.D. Marley, which is K-Mar and D. Lee. Welcome to Be Mighty, balancing your money and your time. My name is Kay Marr, and I am here with my co-host, Dee Lee. Together, we welcome you to our show. Thank you, Kay. If you haven't already done so, visit our website, b-myte.com, to download the free self-assessment tool to see where you might be become mighty. Today, we are looking forward to chatting with Dr. Lorena Shinsato. Dr. Shinsato is a naturopathic physician and licensed acupuncturist. She practices in Redmond, Washington. Her philosophy as a doctor is that she is a catalyst for healing. In her practice, she helps individuals to improve their well-being by treating them as a whole person and finding alternatives to prescription drugs. Today, Dr. Shinsato is going to talk with us about daily practices for creating well-being. Dr. Shinsato, welcome to Be Mighty, Balancing Your Money and Your Time. Hi, thank you. Let's start out with a very basic question. What is a naturopathic doctor? Sure. So a naturopathic doctor is a graduate of a four-year accredited doctoral program that blends the boast of modern medicine and the wisdom of traditional herbal medicine, nutrition, and lifestyle counseling. There are about 17 states in the U.S. that license naturopathic doctors. There's five Canadian provinces, the District of Columbia, and there's U.S. territories of Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands that all have laws regulating naturopathic doctors. So what made you decide to actually become a naturopathic doctor? I've always been interested in the science, and I've always been curious asking questions and wanting to know why, how things work and why things work. I have a previous background in molecular biology, and so naturopathic medicine was just the best blend of everything. And I get to work with people, not just work in a laboratory as I did before. So how is the training different for a naturopathic doctor than it is for a regular medical doctor? Uh, so interestingly, I actually had a, several classmates in my class that were some that actually went through medical school, traditional allopathic medical school. And then I also had some that transferred in midway between allopathic school to naturopathic school. Uh, we study all the same sciences. Uh, we have all the ologies you can think of, anatomy, physiology, uh, pathology, biochemistry. Um, I won't bore you with any more of them. <laughs> but we also have 
uh, laboratory diagnosis and um, physical exams and all the other ologies like learning about gastroenterology, internal medicine. And in the end, what, where we differ is after two years of studying all the basic sciences, we actually start learning more about the basics of naturopathic medicine, which is looking at the diet, the lifestyle, how exercise influences the body, the mind, and the spirit, as well as just lifestyle um, counseling. A lot of working with people is finding out what makes them tick or why are they making choices that are not supporting their health. So what suggestions do you have for our listeners who want to find a naturopathic doctor? Because it's, uh, it's a bit, bit difficult because of you know, locations. Yeah, so uh, the easiest way is to go to the national organization, the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians. That's www.aanp. Oh, sorry, wrong one. Naturopathic.org. So it's www.naturopathic.org. And you should be able to locate naturopaths who are affiliated with that organization. Another way you can do it is you can actually find any of the local naturopathic schools in the area, such as Bastyr University in Seattle, National College of Naturopathic Medicine in Portland, Southwest College in Arizona, or Boucher Institute in Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, the Toronto School, Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, and then there's a National uh, University of Natural Health Sciences that's in uh, Illinois, and then there's one more, University of Bridgeport, that's in Connecticut. And any of those, uh, you can call any of those schools or go to their websites, and they have a list of alumni. And then I'll tell you where the alumni is practicing. Or you could call their alumni department and ask, could you please direct me to a practicing naturopathic doctor in the area? And they should be more than happy to assist you. And that information sounds like it might be something we'll want to get a resource on our resource page. You know, that yeah. would be a nice link to help people, you know, connect. What And when someone does connect and um, makes a decision to go and visit with one, um, what is a good set of questions that they should ask before deciding to work with that person? It's kind of almost like they need to go and interview, I would guess. Yeah, that's definitely true. I always recommend people to interview your practitioners, whether it's, you know, best word of referral is through word of mouth. Um, Knowing someone that you like, know, and trust who has gone to someone and have a great experience with them. So first of all, you know, looking, making sure that they're, uh, they graduated from a four-year accredited school um, because we're not licensed in all states. There are certain naturopaths who are helpful, but they are more trained in herbal medicine and lifestyle, um, and they, they don't go through a four-year accredited training. And so finding someone who has gone through any of the schools that I listed before is helpful, as well as um, writing down a list of all your questions. Um, is there a certain preference that you you would like your naturopathic doctor to be uh, to utilize in their practice? Like if you're like, oh, I'm only interested in uh, someone who treats musculoskeletal conditions, and because our scope is so broad, there are some MDs who actually don't specialize in that. And they will focus more and be more like a primary care doctor and they can refer out. 
but they don't actually do a lot of the adjustments or like tissue work, manual therapy work when you have injuries to, to assist you in that way. So the best thing would be just asking them for a 15-minute consult. Most NDs offer a free 15-minute consult, either in person or over the phone. And that way you can determine if, you have, if you're a good fit for each other. Because it should be a mutual, can I really talk to this person? Do I feel comfortable with them? Because the more you're able to offer them your history, the more that we can help you. So, okay, let's say I've picked out a naturopathic physician. I've done a 15-minute consult. I want to um, decided I really want to work with this person. Mm-hmm. And so I come see you with a list of health issues. What's the difference between the way you would approach that with the way a regular medical doctor would approach that? Yeah, so basically in Washington State, I am a primary care doctor. I'm recognized by insurance companies as well. So I have people fill out a long questionnaire. I actually have you fill out a nine-page questionnaire that is separate from the you know, patient health protection ones and the insurance information, nine pages of your health and questions that you might not necessarily be asked, like how do you sleep? Do you sleep? Do you fall asleep easily? Do you stay asleep? Do you wake feeling rested? Um, do you have problems falling asleep or do you just have problems staying asleep? I mean, those are all different aspects of sleep that a lot of times aren't even covered in an intake. Um, Additionally, I would have you bring a list of all your medications you're on, as well as the reasons why you're on those medications, because a lot of people are on medications now for an off-label use, and so it might not be the commonly known reason why someone's on medication. Can you explain what an off-label use means? Sure. An off-label use is like sometimes they might say a drug, the drug might commonly be known for uh, blood pressure helping with blood pressure, but an off-label use for it could be that, oh, it actually helps with, um, it helps with another condition, such as maybe it's, it's combined with another medicine and it enhances its use for migraines or something like that. I mean, there's just, I've seen people come in and I always ask him, why are you on this? What is it for? And then I compare it to what I know it for, because there's a lot of drugs that are not being prescribed for the traditionally used reasons. If you would like go to uh, some type of PDA on, online or you look at any of the um, pharmacology books on it. And so that's why it's always good to know what medicine you're on and why you're taking it. Because a lot of times people might think it's, on, it's for one condition when it's actually for something else. So that's helpful for us to know. Because there's okay. many, uh, one drug can have many effects on many different parts of the body, even though its predominant use is only in one part of the body. So what happens if somebody comes in and says, my doctor prescribed this, I've been taking this, but honestly, I really don't know why I'm on it? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what, what do you say then? So usually what... Um, I would then ask them if they, if they have a, a visit with their doctor upcoming to ask them that or to call the nurse of the doctor that they're working with and just ask a quick question, you know, why am I on this medication and how long do I need to be on it? 
a lot of times people actually are put on medications and they never they assume the doctor will take them off when they no longer need it. However, if you think about it, um, acid reflux drugs, if you look at it, you're only supposed to be on it for maybe two weeks to a month or at most a couple months. It's not really intended to be a long-term use. And if you look at it, some people have been on acid reflux drugs for years and years, and there really hasn't been that much of an improvement. And so they keep having to go on a higher and a higher dose. I've actually had a, I was doing a community, uh, just some type of uh, free talk in the community center. And there was a couple who came in and they sat down and it was very cute because the wife was like, well, why don't you tell her why you're here? And he's like, no, I'm here because you made me come here, right? (laughs) (laughs) So then she said, okay, I'll share, I'll share. And then she goes, well, we're coming here because he's been on these acid reflux medicines for years. Like it was probably close to 20 years. And he still has this burning and this pressure feeling and this, you know, discomfort. And he's like, I want to know if there's any other lifestyle things or any supplements that I can use that can help me. So a lot of times people might feel that you have to take natural medicine only in lieu of. They can work wonderfully with the prescription medicines that people are on. They can actually decrease people's dependency on prescription medications. Uh, when you are actually working towards maintaining health, you will notice that your prescription levels, the dose and the frequency of it, will decrease. And even the supplement use should decrease as you're monitoring what contributes to your health and what takes away from your health. And you're making sure you're making enough time for yourself, you're sleeping well, you're eating whole foods, organic as much as possible, you're in a job that you love, and you're working towards goals in your life that excite you, and you're surrounded and supported by loving partners, family members, relationships, co-workers, because it's all of these things that contribute to optimal health. And what happens, you know, it seems like, too, this also brings up uh, the need for somebody to really focus on what they're doing because they need to be aware if they're changing anything to be aware if, if their other medications get need to get adjusted because that can be pretty critical. Say, for example, for diabetics with any kind of an adjustment uh, to their insulin and or I mean, it's something that, you know, I think is is probably a highlight there. So, um when we talk about uh, natural, you know, like natural or holistic medicine, um, does it integrate pretty regularly with medical, the, the medical system, or do you find it you know, requires explanation? Uh, well, it really depends on the scenario. The, as you think of it, Hippocrates was, um, he was known for saying, you know, make your food be your medicine. Because literally most of our nutrients and all of our vitamins and nutrients all came from the type of food that we ate. What kind of fuel are you putting in your vehicle? Are you going to be a luxury car so you're going to have a high quality of fuel? Or are you going to be a luxury car and accidentally put in the lowest grade gas? I mean, it's whatever you give your body is what your body will perform on. So like for instance... um, a lot of traditional allopathic doctors, the difference, again, between naturopathic doctors and allopathic doctors is that we spend a lot of time with our patients, way more than a, a doctor visit normally is. My first visit is an hour and a half to two hours long. 
um, a lot of medical doctors, you might see them. I think the longest someone told me was they had 20 minutes with their doctor. Wow. If they, they did a statistic, some type of survey, and they said the average doctor visit is about 8 to 12 minutes long. And it's more about volume, the number of patients that you see because they have to hit their quotas according to the hospital organization that they work for. So there's not a lot of time to spend educating patients and empowering them with the tools that they need to make the choices that uh, promote better health. And it's that time that we have. My return visits are 45 minutes to an hour long. It allows me to do all that lifestyle counseling. Um, A lot of questioning that I have, for instance, sometimes people come in in a lot of pain. And one of the first things I start asking them, other than, you know, talking about the pain, how it occurred and everything, is how much water do you drink? Surprisingly, the people who are in the most pain don't drink any water or very little. And part of it is you have to go to the reason why. It's like, okay, do you not like water because you don't like that it has no taste or you don't like that it tastes bad, like chlorine or something? Or do you need it to be flavored with something? Or is it inconvenient because you have to pee every hour? Or, you know, you forget because you get so into something. So you have to actually look behind at the person's reasons. Why is it that you're not drinking water? And so then it's once, like little clues. Yeah. <laughs> once you target that, then it's easy to make a lifestyle change once you understand the reasoning why, even though they might not understand the belief that's there that's allowing them to hold that habit. So you're like a healthcare investigator. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's time to go to a commercial break. And so stay with us. When we come back, Dr. Shinsato will be talking with us about ways to improve our well-being. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Every one of us confronts challenges that rock our world to the core, making us confused and disoriented, not knowing which way is up. On The Mother Rising, host Margaret Jacobson will nourish that spark that enlivens. You will be both empowered and inspired to create the changes leading you on your path to your own true freedom. Discover your worth and what you are capable of. Tune into The Mother Rising every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Absurd Psychology. Straight answers without all the bull. Hosted by Dr. Gary Bell. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. 
Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Be Mighty, Balancing Your Money and Your Time with Katie Marley. To reach the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send us an email to b-myte at b-myte.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to Be Mighty, Balancing Your Money and Your Time. We've been talking with Dr. Shinsato about what naturopathy is. Now let's turn specifically to wellness. Dr. Shinsato? Yes. What is the definition of wellness? Is it just the absence of disease? (laughs) Wellness is a very dynamic state of being. It really has many parts, and I think I covered some of that earlier. Part of it is um, healthy stress management, healthy boundaries, a good support structure with your friends, family, colleagues, and significant others, a good work-life balance, whole food nutrition-based diet, good sleep hygiene, meaning how do you sleep, where do you sleep, do you have enough time to sleep, Uh, clean water and air, a satisfying career, consistent exercise, time for reflection, relaxation, personal and spiritual development. All of this contributes to our overall wellness. It's not just, oh, do I have a cold or, oh, is my body uh, aching for some reason? Uh, Let me interject here. One of the things that you listed was healthy boundaries. Can you explain more what that means, please? Yeah, healthy boundaries. So part of healthy boundaries is understanding and knowing yourself, know thyself. When you understand yourself and you know why uh, you feel certain ways, uh, then you can understand where your limits are. For instance, if, if you're the, the really nice person who's the yes person, so give it to, give it to Dr. Lorena. She'll just do it because she's nice, because she'll, she'll, she'll do it, you know. And so if I just keep saying yes because I want, pe- I want to help people out and I'm always giving and I'm giving, and at the end of the day, I start feeling used or I start feeling taken advantage of or I start feeling a little upset and not really wondering and knowing how or why part of that is because somewhere the boundary a healthy boundary was not established or the communication between the expectations of both people has not been clarified and when that is not clarified then people start feeling stress or dis-ease, you know, just feeling uncomfortable and feeling grumpy or irritable. And and when you understand where your boundaries are and you have clear communication about what you will, won't do, or why you're getting involved in certain projects or not, then that really helps you be more at ease in your body. And it lifts, takes that weight off your shoulders when you're like, you know what, I really would love to help you out, but I already have something I plan to do. So can we do that another day? As opposed to just putting your things off and helping out the other person because they need help. So when you understand yourself more, then you can have better boundaries. Do you find that that's a common issue for people that come to see you? Yeah, it's a very, very common issue. A lot of people suffer from anxiety and depression 
and anger. And a lot of those are because of unmet expectations. So either they weren't expressed or there was a miscommunication between them or they did not know how to set a boundary. And so they just thought they had to do whatever it was, whether it was growing up and your mother always told you to do everything. And so you knew you didn't want her to be upset. So you just did it. But in the end, you you didn't really speak up for yourself. And so now when you're in your adult life, you tend to carry those same patterns from childhood into your adult life. Patterns that were imprinted on you, but not necessarily, they don't work anymore. And so it's about recognizing what is working now and seeing if it doesn't work, what can I do to change that? And that's where you start adjusting and assessing your boundaries. And when you do that, you no longer will feel that, that dis-ease, that uncomfortableness, because you're actually speaking out. And you're being clear, and you're being respectful when you're speaking out, and you're honoring yourself. That's the most important thing, is honoring yourself and speaking your truth, and hoping that everyone does that in a tactful and respectful way, and therefore that avoids so much discomfort and un- so much stress. And that's actually the main cause of illness is stress. So confusion also could be, you know, if something's not clear, mm-hmm. then someone's going to be interpreting it differently too if some of those boundaries aren't explained very well. True. It's always good to have a clarification on and to always use it in a term or a manner, kind of like you're paraphrasing it back to the person. So what I heard is this. Is that correct? Or correct uh, can you please elaborate on that? What did you mean by that? Do you find that when you're um, introduced in a group that people take advantage, they want to get your attention for their own situation? I mean, that's just a curiosity. I've known other people that um, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. It, it's quite interesting, the dynamics of, Um, how people change when they know uh, your title. And for me, it's more about who is this person, how and why do they work, and, you know, what excites them and what do they do. It's not about your title, how many degrees you have, and all of that. Because what I found is sometimes people treat you very differently. I've been treated very differently once they found out I was a doctor. Mm-hmm. And also, they've also treated me differently, and they started asking me a ton of questions, <laughs> kind of like having a free consult or something. And I love what I do, and I'm more than happy to share things. But then sometimes when people ask and ask, even if it's like for you guys, there's there's a point in time when, you know, it's not just a, hey, can you show me what could work better or what tool or what thing I would need to do versus a, I'm trying to get something out of you for nothing. That there's a difference in the energy and the fill between that. Definitely. Well, one of the things we actually titled the show Daily Practices for Creating Well-Being. So what is a wellness practice? Why do we need to practice this? <laughs> a wellness practice is something that um, practice is something you do every single day. It is your life is a collection of thousands of different choices you make in every single moment so it's about being in touch with where you are and what's going on and 
how, what do you need to do now versus what you can do later? You know, having that assessment of the factors that keep you healthy and happy and knowing what your agenda is as opposed to what other people's agenda is and trying to work that together. It's something that you have to really work on because every choice, choices made in succession over a long period of time will then create a habit. And habits usually take 21 days to kind of ingrain into our body and our minds. So some some of the, I, I've heard it might take about six months. Yeah, it really but, depends. Yeah. <laughs> I so mean, how, like when you do a certain, if you're, perf- if you're dancing and you're learning a certain routine or you're a martial arts person and you're learning a certain routine, it's the muscle memory of going through that movement and that motion all the time. First of all, it's not just knowing the sequence of knowing I, my body needs to go this way, I need to jump, I need to move that, move this hair. But it's also, then it's the refine, refining of those mo- movements. It's like, okay, does it need to be at this angle? Or does this need to be, how does my body need to be in alignment, my shoulders with my hips and all of that? So it's not, it's not just about knowing I want to be healthy. <laughs> it's about, okay, what does health mean to me? And does wellness really apply to the physical body only? No, wellness is uh, much larger than that. Wellness encompasses physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. It's everything. And because we are energetic beings, uh, we have energy flowing through us. Our cells are pumping their ATP and communicating with each other. Our organs are communicating with each other. And our body is responding to our environment. So we are influenced by things we can't necessarily see, which includes electromagnetic frequencies like that our cell phones give off. That's why I tell people not to put their cell phones next to their bed or to have it in airplane mode if you're using it as an alarm clock or to have it six feet away or in another room because low doses of electromagnetic frequencies um, will over time kind of affect our bodies that's why when you go camping and there's no signal anywhere and your cell phone can't work and then you might be you know out late camping with your friends sometimes there might be some drinking sometimes you know you might eat foods you don't usually do and you sleep on you know not your comfy bed but for some reason you sleep deep and hard and then you wake up when the sun rises and you feel refreshed and part of that is because you're away from man-made pollution, which includes the electromagnetic frequencies, and from always having to be on. Being in the um, forest actually gives off negative ions, and that helps promote wellness. So that kind of leads into the next question here. Is it really possible to have wellness when we're around all the toxins and the pollutions and the, the chemicals in our world? Yes, it is. Um, like I said earlier, it's all about choices. So, for instance, you can always choose to uh, have plants indoors because plants not only enhance your environment, they produce oxygen and they clean the air. And they also, you know, have flowers and they can change the environment and they can make you feel good. Um, But it's also, you know, when you go out to eat, you know, are you going to choose local foods uh, foods that were locally grown and did not have to use a lot of gas to get up to your table? Or are you going to choose foods that were transported in from a long ways away? And something you can do every day is you can choose to eat whole foods as much as possible 
um, not packaged, no refined foods as much as possible. And um, there's a wonderful website, the Environmental Working Group. It's ewg.org. And that website, it's a nonprofit group, and it's all about the power of information. So they have something called the Dirty Dozen. (laughs) (laughs) I know it sounds pretty dirty. Dirty Dozen is the 12 most highly contaminated fruits and vegetables um, with pesticides and herbicides. And so as much as possible, look at that list. They even have an app. You can download the app on your phone and try to avoid those, And meaning that try to eat those organic as much as possible because it will decrease your exposure to the pesticides and herbicides. Um, when you choose um, different soaps, you know, try to choose ones that don't have artificial dyes or artificial perfumes because it's the little exposure every day, all the time, that will slowly build up in our body. When we're young, we can um, detox pretty easily and we can go ahead and recoup from illnesses and other things pretty easily. However, as we age, um, heavy metals and toxins actually build up in our fat cells. And so that's the reason why when we start hitting our middle age, we start having all these aches and pains that maybe we don't have. And it's not just because we're getting older and our and we're gaining weight or, you know, your enzymes are not working that well. It's if the these things that we've been using over time have been building up and kind of hanging out in our fat stores. Because we absorb about 70% of what we put on our skin. And, of course, you know, everything we're breathing and what we eat and what we drink also has to get filtered all by the liver. Right. So when you first start working with a new patient, given that the interview goes well for each of you, Mm -hmm. um, what do you actually do? Uh, First of all, we go through our nine-page questionnaire and we talk about what our expectations are of the visit. You know, what brought you in to me? Sometimes people come in because they literally have been to every other specialist and doctor and no one's really been able to help them. Uh, other times it's they're looking for something different they want to decrease their medication usage or reliance and sometimes it's just usually it's pain pain is a big motivator it will go ahead and tell us and stop us and get us in um, to figure out what's going on when it interferes with your daily life that's when people will seek a doctor's opinion and you know generally speaking as you get to have a better relationship with your body that's what um, naturopathic doctors help you to do. They help you to understand and empower you with tools so you can know when something's off and you can make modifications to your your lifestyle so you don't have you don't get sick where your body will just say, Hey, it's too much, I'm gonna shut down. You know, why is it that people get sick on their vacations? It's because that's the first time when you're actually not on. You're not in your sympathetic fight or flight. I have to keep doing this and multitask. It's all of a sudden, oh, we can relax. Okay, time to clean house. Time to, you know, go ahead and deal with these issues and maybe get sick and build up our immunity. And <laughs> <laughs> so what do you expect from the patient? Uh, what I expect from the patient is an open mind. I don't really want to work with anyone who doesn't want to be there. You know how sometimes people have the best intentions and bring people in? It's a lot of times the women bringing in their partners. I usually ask the person, are you really here because you truly desire to be here? Because if you are not, it's it, it's of no use for both of us in terms of our time and energy. Because it takes a lot to make that step. And it's not sustainable if you're not making that choice for yourself. You have to want it for yourself. So it comes back to choices again. Yes. 
<laughs> okay. We need to pause for another commercial break. Um, when we return, we'll continue to talk with Dr. Shinsato about staying healthy and well, staying in balance. Stay tuned. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Question, what's working and what's not working in your life? Though we resolve each year to do things differently and we want what's great for our businesses, our relationships, our health, and more, we don't always know where to turn when life gets tough. That's where Leading Life Large with host Rob Braun comes in. Our show challenges you to reevaluate where you are and keep pushing your way to the success you desire. If you want it bad enough, we can help you turn your life around. Leading Life Large airs Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You are listening to Be Mighty, Balancing Your Money and Your Time with Katie Marley. To reach the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send us an email to b-myte at b-myte.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to Be Mighty, Balancing Your Money and Your Time. We've been talking with Dr. Shinsato about being well. I'd like to continue this conversation both about wellness and then get a little bit into diet and different specific challenges. But first, let's, let's keep going on the, the whole topic of wellness and keeping our bodies in balance. What is the number one thing needed to be well? The number one thing needed to be well uh, that's a really big question. <laughs> um, for me, literally, I believe if everyone takes personal responsibility for themselves and they start just paying more attention to what makes me happy, what keeps me healthy, when do I feel best, when do I have the most energy, is it when I sleep seven hours a day or... Do I, am I one of those people who need nine hours? I mean, everyone's different for sleep. Is it um, eating at a regular time? That's a huge part. A lot of times we're too busy that we forget to eat because we think, oh, I have this deadline. Oh, I just need to do this. Or I'm going to eat at my desk. One of the first things that I tell people to do is to make time to eat, even if it's just 15 minutes. You know, unplug, get away from your desk, because if you're at your desk, Someone's going to stop by. They'll see you eating, but they're like, just a quick question. And then you'll answer it. And then you'll get caught up in something. <laughs> so I said, eat. eat in your lunchroom. 
go away, you know, go someplace or, you know, so you can actually relax because eating is a really digestion is a rest and relaxation type of parasympathetic activity. I kind of give a lot of my patients the image of, okay, if you're being chased by a bear, that's the fight or flight mode. I have a lot of adrenaline pumping. I'm going to run, right? I'm not going to go and pick berries, decide to eat a snack or, you know, take a food. <laughs> I, I'm running for my life. I mean, people, people are like, what if you poop in your pants? I'm like, that's a different thing. <laughs> it's not the most times when you're pooping, it's uh, you have to feel comfortable and relaxed to poop. That's why some kids don't poop at school and some people don't poop at work. It's because you need to be relaxed for your sphincters and your digestion to feel good to go. But um, you really need to separate the fight and flight and the multitasking from the rest and digest, the, the sleeping and the eating. That's why I tell people about having a sleep hygiene, which is, you know, making your bedroom your sanctuary. Please don't have, you know, your work desk set up in your bedroom if you can't help it. You know, if you're a student in a dorm room, I understand. But, but if you have, you know, your bedroom, your bedroom should literally only be for sleeping or, you know, being intimate with your partner. And you shouldn't have anything regarding work or anything of that because it's it's type of a feng shui. It's an energetic thing too. I mean, my mom used to always say something about if you only had a small bit of time, make sure your bed or the largest piece in the room is clean because that's where your eye will go to. So she was always really vigilant about making the bed every morning. And it makes a big difference. And yeah, just having that space. The reason why people have spaces for specific activities is because when you are focused and when you're in that space doing that activity, whether it's this is my meditation room, whether it's, you know, this is my creative room, or this is my exercise space, or this is my workspace, um, you actually will concentrate that energy in that space and it will help your mind shift. It's really important for business owners who work from home to have a separate business office and to understand that maybe they can do their laundry and, you know, take breaks, but they actually need to definitely have a healthy boundary and separate their work from their home. So if somebody is like, this, say, the student in the dorm room that you brought up, is there a way that they can mentally set, okay, I never study on my bed? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I study when I'm sitting at my desk, so my bed is just for relaxing or whatever. So you m- make mental boundaries, even if you can't make physical boundaries? Yes, you can do that. Or you could, like, have a small little uh, separation. If someone just had a, um, a room uh, where they, they lived and it has no, basically it's one room and everything's in it. They can make boundaries with a type of a shoji door, a screen door. Or you can make mental boundaries. And I mean, the funniest thing is I have a couch, right, that I love to relax on. And even though I'm not sleepy, I can be reading on the couch. And if I'm lying down and reading on the couch, I might kind of get sleepy. And it's kind of like your body's memory of what that space is for. I remember as a student, I did try to study on my bed a couple times. I fell asleep. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's a natural state of being it's like your bed's for sleep your body remembers that you start relaxing and it's not productive that's why a lot of times they tell you when you meditate you should actually sit up rather than laying down and meditate because you'll likely fall asleep and when you start meditating for beginners it it's normal to fall into a sleep state 
But when you sit up and you meditate, um, it brings a different level of awareness and enhances your state. And being focused, um, being aware and paying attention, um, how do emotions actually play in, in with wellness? Emotions are a huge part of your wellness. Um, I, I have a practice where I bring in the emotional component of illness a lot because sometimes people might be aware that, yes, I have a pain. But what is this pain trying to tell you? What is your body trying to say? Is it you're not making time? Is it your ergonomics of your desk not appropriate? Or just put your hand over the pain and ask it what it wants to share with you. And have no judgment about what comes up. If it says, you know, go out and go for a walk, um, go and do that. I mean, sometimes it's the smallest things that our body tries to catch our attention with. And the emotional component of that is a really huge part. I think for back pain, chronic back pain is something a lot of people have. And inevitably, there's usually a story behind, you know, different body parts and what the part means. But for the back, when you think about your back, what do you think of? What does the back do? So the back is uh, spine, you know, your spine, it's support. It's where your kidneys lie Um, in your lower back area. In Chinese medicine, the kidneys uh, put energy towards the low back, and it's related to the emotion of fear. And so a lot of people who tend to have chronic back issues, I ask them if there's some aspect of their life that they feel they would like more support with. And inevitably, it's usually in their relationship, in their marriage, or for um, it might be at work. They don't feel supported at work. And so it's about kind of taking a step back and saying, okay, what can I do to help myself feel supported or what do I need to do? And inevitably, when they address that emotional component, the physical symptoms dissolve and melt away. And so when you're talking or speaking the word of support, how would you relate to support? Because that's pretty, it can be applied to a lot of different ways of doing things. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, support, um, for instance, a lot of, I've had a lot of men who came in with chronic back problems. And uh, yes, you can. we do rule out any of the red flags and we rule out any of the injuries. And I give supplements and um, herbal things and exercises to strengthen. And we look at the ergonomics and, you know, does your back need support? Do you need to strengthen your abs to go ahead and provide better uh, support for your back? Because a lot of times... Your, the, where the pain manifests is a compensation for where the actual pain is, the problem area is, from a musculoskeletal standpoint. But from a support standpoint in your body and in your life, it would be like, do you feel that um, in your relationship, maybe it's at home, do you feel that you're respected and that there, when you need someone to count on, you know, to help you out, when times of stress, do you have someone there for you to help you out? And it could be the same at work. You know, when, when push comes to shove, can your team pull through and everyone pulls their weight? Or are you the one supporting everyone out there? Or are you the one choosing to do everything for them? And part of it could be, yes, it might be you're the one who can get it done and get it done the fastest. But part of it could also be, 
is there a belief system in place that is not allowing you to delegate responsibilities out and to rely on other people and allow them to take their responsibility for this project and contribute to the project success? So once you've eliminated, well, I don't know if I want to say eliminated completely, but um, in some ways, would it be fair to say that sometimes pain is a metaphor for what's going on in your life? Yes. That, okay. Yeah, there is a, a beautiful story. It was quite ironic. Um, when I was a student at Bastyr doing a homeopathy uh, we had to do rotations in different departments, and one was the homeopathy department I rotated in. And uh, there was this lady, and she, in the course of a few months, her husband and I believe her brother died. Or maybe it was her husband, her brother, and her father died. Like, it was a very short succession where people who were very core and supportive and um, to her life were just all of a sudden gone. And... The strange thing was she never cried. She didn't mourn. She didn't grieve. And she came in, and the reason why she came in, and get this, she came in because she was in complete body pain. Every part of her body hurt physically. And the doctors couldn't figure out why, and they said it was psychosomatic, meaning it's in your head. <laughs> which usually translates as you're making it up yes psychosomatic is we're not really sure why you're probably making it up yeah. <laughs> and the um dr man the supervisor on shift he he told this story and it was pretty amazing because he dosed her and the student clinicians dosed her with staphysagria and that homeopathic remedy is an immense one for resolving grief and sadness, unresolved sadness. And then he gave her, I think it was a 1M dose. It's a really high dose. It's a constitutional dose which touches someone. They believe it touches someone on an emotional and a spiritual level. That person, that lady, she ended up crying and crying and all of that pain, that grief came out. And then after they followed up with her in a month and another month and, and then she was fine. It's because it was all that pent-up emotion which didn't have an outlet. Hmm. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. Um, wow. So, so what areas should we address each week to stay well? I mean, it sounds like, you know, this is physical about what we do with our bodies, um, what we do with our emotions, whether we acknowledge them or hold them in, spiritual things. So, do we need to do something for each of these areas all the time, or can we just say, okay, I'm going to focus on my body this week and ignore the emotions until next week, or whatever, (laughs) you know, something like that? Well, um, the thing is that you can can choose how you're going to go about it. Um, It would be best if you sat down and you kind of mapped out different areas of your life, and just kind of did a brainstorm. Remember when you're a kid, you did uh, like mind mapping where you wrote something in the center and you circled it and you put a line out and you wrote all the things that supported that and then you kind of branched out. And so if you do something like that and you're like, okay, so body, you can put your you know healthy body and then you put a spoke out and then you write, what, what do I consider a healthy body? Okay, what does my body need to be healthy? And you write sleep 
And then off of sleep, you write, you know, what do I need? You know, I need to sleep in a dark room. I need to go to bed before 11 uh, because it's best to go to bed before midnight. They say every hour of uh, sleep you get before midnight is equivalent to two hours after. And you really want to be in a deep state of sleep by the time you hit 1 o'clock in the morning, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. That's when your liver starts doing all of its cleaning energetically and physically. So it's really important to be unwound and resting at that time. So, so from a body timing, though, if someone gets up early and goes to bed early, yeah, you know, it's it's like the time clock is is they have their own time clock. It sounds yes. Like. So the thing is that it's not a one one thing fits all. You always want to read and hear what the research says or what you know people that you trust say, and then in the end, what you need to do is you need to compare this to yourself. Does this match my values, my beliefs, my actions? Is this in alignment with me? And if it's not, then you put it aside. And maybe later it will be. But at this point in time, it doesn't work. And so what you need to do is find out what are your beliefs or what are the things that work for you. And remember, you can always edit this and modify it. Because, you know, something that worked for you five years ago no longer can work for you now. And if you try something out and you're like, okay, I really like this, you know, paleo diet but I, I can't that, that's too much you know meat for me <laughs> that's too much that, that I really really love you know my 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 legumes and there's no beans in this paleo diet so I mean you have to kind of give and take so you can use the base of of the research and what people say out there but in the end you should always compare it to your own as I would say what is your imprint what is what is your core values and once you decide and determine what your core values are, then it's easier to modify them. But if you don't know what they are, then I would suggest you to get out a piece of paper and mind map about, you know, what you know what are what is important to me for personal boundaries. What okay. about moving? We're, we're actually out of time. Um, yeah. If any of our listeners have specific questions, very quickly, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, they can go ahead and reach me uh, through my website. PrimaVitaMedicine.com. That's P-R-I-M-A-V-I-T-A Medicine.com. And I have stuff there for them. Okay. And Dr. Lorena, thank you so much for joining us. Um, in, in like a 30 seconds, can you tell us one thing that people can do each day to move toward wellness? <laughs> really quickly because we are out of time. Yes. Uh, I would say it goes down to my, my mantra Awareness, empowerment, and choice. Have an awareness, empower yourself with the tools and the people you need to support yourself through that, and in the end, you need to choose. And remember, you can always make a different choice, but you need to continue moving forward and choosing. Thank you. Join us next week, 11 p- Friday, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Empowerment Channel. We'll be talking with Lynn Shirell, who is a feng-, feng Shui expert about changing your environment. We look forward to talking with you then. Thank you. Thank you for joining Kmar and D. Lee for Be Mighty, balancing your money and your time. Be sure to come back for another great show next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you here next week.
thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.